Today, our esteemed guest is the legend from L.A., Mr. Mike Khalil. Khalil on that. Thank you for coming, bro. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I tried to uh, Michael Buffer my way through the beginning, if I I feel it, and I I felt it. Welcome back. You know, that whole, it's like part Keith Whitley, part Michael Buffer. Buffer. You know the yeah, uh, yeah. the Daryl Singletary was the best one. Oh, I love that. Every voice. note starts yeah. here. Yeah, the John Anderson kind of too. Maybe he's more airy. I guess. I don't know. He's kind of like this. <laughs> Welcome to Gear and Beer. Uh, there's no Luke Bryan without uh, John Anderson. They have Luke Bryan is like a refined John Anderson. Really, it's like a better John Anderson. Oh wow! In my opinion, they have very similar vocal timbre, if you will. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of both. You will not find any hate of either of those people on this podcast or really anybody else. uh, uh, As you well know, and other people who work in the Nashville scene, a lot of people get like real particular about they want to draw lines in the sand of what is acceptable, what they will be happy about listening to or playing. Right, right. That all seems very exhausting to me, so I can say we can just like what we like and move on with our lives. What do you say, Mike? I agree. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Thank you for coming, man. I appreciate you making the trek up here. You brought a telly. Absolutely. Brought, you brought a few repeater boxes. Yes, sir. And uh, filtering mechanisms, etc. cetera. Um, we had some tacos. We've had a beer. We're just hanging out. Uh, we did a little jam. That was a lot of fun. Yeah um so let's just get right to it man uh you you're from as i said from from la are do you come from a musical family that's a question that i've been finding myself wanting to know the answer to lately um yes and no is the answer my immediate parents were not musicians but my two uncles on my mother's side uh, are great musicians my uncle bob uh is a bass player he has had a band called the elm street band growing up and they classic were great band name yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a good name it's it's a very classic the elm, elm street, street band. band that's right. classic bro yeah yeah they're killer and um uh his brother uh the youngest of their family uh was uh my uncle kenny who was like an amazing guitar player piano player producer uh he was like a session guy but he worked in um he worked for at&t and like some phone companies he was really successful tech uh, smart he was tech smart but man he was just yeah he was beautiful musician that's awesome yeah man. really inspiring uh was guitar what you started playing the first instrument yeah yeah guitar was the first instrument i picked up i think i picked it up at a summer camp one year when i was like 12 and somebody showed me the intro to a corn song that was popular at the time called falling away from me and i just got hooked i asked for one for hanukkah got a guitar for hanukkah started taking lessons and then it was i had a friend's um 
whose mom gave me the sheet music to Eric Clapton's Unplugged. Oh yeah, that book. Yeah, dude, I had that book. That was a great book. Yeah, Signy. Did you learn Signy? Oh yeah. What a cool, what a cool little pattern. That was like, it was, it was cool, and it was like a little harmonic complex, but like I could still get my stupid little pans around it. You know, I kind of wrote a tune that was like really similar, and I wanted to have that like weird belly chimey thing in it. God, it just reminded me of that song. I hadn't thought of it forever. That's a great nylon guitar. Oh. I don't even know what guitar that is. I've never looked into it. Oh, and but. I started on nylon guitar. That really? was my first. Yeah, it was a Chinese nylon guitar that my mom had got from the swap meet. Were you playing like classical and like doing classical lessons? I had. A, I actually did have a classical teacher. His name was Jim Fagan. Shout out Jim. Don's uh, brother? No, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, that'd have been badass. Yeah, right. I wish he, he had a brother. He, yeah, he actually taught me some like you know like windy and warm was like one of the songs and like some Nashville type of pick and stuff. He was really big into Jerry Reed and um, smart. Yeah, and once I got started on that Clapton book, thank you, Lyndon. Appreciate yes, it. Water break. And scene. I kind of figured out how to solo a little bit on some blues. That's dope. And eight months into playing guitar, that's when I was like, oh, okay. Like, like here, this is where it's at. Pedal to the metal, like, let's jam. Like, it's on, you know? That's dope. Yeah. Did you Did you ever do... Oh, no, you did. You said you went to MIT, right? Yeah, I went to was MI, Musicians MI? Institute. Yeah. MIT is the one in Boston. Right. And I'm back. Um, <coughs> Massachusetts Institute of Technology is what I'd said, and that's not what we're talking about. Right. You went to Musicians Institute. Yes. Um do you know uh, Matt Hornbeck? Yeah, I do. Okay. He, yeah. He's a buddy. Oh, man. He's a buddy of ours. Okay. He, he's a teacher there, is he not? Yeah, I think he teaches there. And yeah, we've been on gigs together. He, we were kind of like running in the country scene at the same time out in I LA. I did not know that Matt teaches at MI. I don't know. Shout out Matt Hornbeck, though. Yeah, Matt Hornbeck, one of the kindest souls and one of the heaviest guitar players that I know. Oh, for sure. Dude, yeah, is, uh, I believe the Beatles wrote a song about him, except for they <laughs> got the masculinity wrong on the title in print for some reason i don't know but um that's cool though uh so you so you did the school thing because we were talking about nylon and uh did you ever like get into like the mateo carcassi and uh uh what's uh the other dude uh recuerdos uh de la alhambra uh oh man i should know all francisco uh anyway um M- Mateo Carcassi and the other guy that wrote the song uh, Los Recuerdos de, de yes. Alhambra. Uh, like I got into that when I was I te- when I was teaching in my uh, you know younger formative years. I was like I was good enough to be a teacher, but mm-hmm. the I was the electric uh, non classical teacher, and there was a classical teacher, and he was like, "Oh, you got to check this out." And I'm still uh, over here on the shelf somewhere is a book of like all of those etudes, uh-huh. dude. I love that stuff. It's so cool and it's so challenging. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about it in so long. But we nylon string and that's it called up those memories. So yeah. you, you never went down that route. Not not by choice. There was a time where I had to do like my jury and I had to do one of those etudes or something sure. and learned them. But uh, for me, the nylon was like the Jerry Reed like country like nylon stuff. I was super into That's the cool. thumb pick. 
Yeah, that's that always the thumb pick thing. Do you do the thumb pick thing? Yeah, I use uh, this Fred Kelly pick. That's like a banjo pick. I think it's a, when we were jamming just now. Were you doing that? No, I don't. I don't really do it like often. But I find on a nylon string, like it really uh, actually evens out like the the tone. Because sometimes the thumb is a little soft on a nylon, unless you got the nails. Where um, if you play it loud enough, you can find it like going slightly out of tune, right? Like thumping too hard. Yeah, where on electric, it, it kind of has the opposite effect, where it makes it's like it gives you that really like like super staccato uneven thing. Yeah, but yeah, when I play like thumb pick on a nylon, like man, I just feel really at home. That's pretty dope. Thing. That's a yeah. that's like a whole different bag of like right hand technique to master though yeah i just when i first came to nashville i kind of took on jerry reed as like the hero that i should study and i learned a bunch of jerry reed stuff and that really just gave me like the ability to be more comfortable in that arena that's something that i see that you do a lot which i think is uh something that slips by a lot of people myself included sometimes just you know getting busy and not taking the time to just go back and like shed old stuff and like you're always like learning something new and then like putting up videos of you playing freaking steel and guitar and just like shredding next to yourself yeah thanks man And like well that's awesome it's super inspiring and i hope that it you know causes other people to pick up their instrument and be like what was that song that i said i wanted to learn 16 years ago or whatever and then like start and just learn that stuff i i've been threatening to go back and like relearn all the rush guitar parts that i used to know yeah like with the the head for harmony that i have now like understanding those parts that i knew when i couldn't play anything else really right Uh, again down here in these shelves somewhere is like a couple of rush transcription books (laughs) yeah and that's just super counterintuitive guitar playing to yeah. me but it's so cool and it's so rock and roll oh yeah like the tones you know it's not you're not reading that out of a book but just like that's how that's how you get that bag it's like you learn those things so props for doing that and spreading that to uh the the world wide web right on brother thank you so much man uh if you uh, well as always there will be uh instagram handles and stuff and all the show notes on wherever you're watching or listening you can only watch on youtube but if you're listening anywhere uh, in all the show notes, uh, I try to include at the very minimum Instagram handles and stuff. So you guys uh, can definitely check out all of Mike's cool stuff that he's putting up on you uh, on uh, Instagram. And presumably also there's YouTube stuff. Do you got a YouTube thing going on? Yeah. 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 A little bit. I, I pretty much just transfer the same videos from Instagram onto YouTube. Um, Are you doing the talk? The talk? Yeah, TikTok. Oh, I, I'm, the talks. I'm, not, I'm not really sorry. Yeah, the, I heard I'm not the talk. I'm not on. I'm not on TikTok. I heard T A L K talk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 33, so I'm like three years, you know, too old for TikTok. I feel well, like. Well, I'm older than that, but not very old at all. So call me for gigs, but uh, I'm also not on the TikTok. <laughs> call Rob for gigs. Call me for gigs. I'm not that old. <laughs> Would an old guy do this? <laughs> yes that's how to get gigs right there hey man hey no call me actually hey bubba you need somebody to play guitar for you call your boy did you just wink with both eyes i think no that's that's called a blink yeah i think what you got to do that on the talk i'm gonna get on the talk and be like hey call your boy i'm not that old 
not that old not very creepy no bunch of songs <laughs> got great tone i got great chops call me <laughs> yes i don't know i don't know who that is i don't know what that character is that i just did but man pro uh, gear pro attitude though, uh, right? yeah for sure pro gear will travel bro that's where I, that's where i'm at um so that's cool so you you went back to la for a bit but you're back here now and you're doing the randy hauser gig which is awesome thank uh, you and i can't wait to see this iteration of that band i bet i bet it's super killing how much of the show are you spent because he plays guitar obviously how much of the show are you spending on the steel not very much really it's mostly guitar okay yeah yeah that makes sense it makes sense yeah um do you do you have an entirely separate rig for your steel or you got like a you do no that's a great question though okay. uh, some people don't some people do yeah that are d- doing the utility thing so you do you have like an a b y pedal or something on your board and you kind of go b- between or so uh, after a lot of uh different iterations and using two amps and two rigs and then deciding that was like just all too much gear and way too complicated for my simple ass sure i tried to figure out a way that i could do one pedal board into one amp and the reason i thought about it was because mike bork because if you ever seen mike bork downtown he shows up with guitar and steel and one amp and a small board and just murders it and i called him and i said mike how do you do it and he said well what you do is you take your your uh guitar signal and your steel basically what he said is you have to run your uh steel into the effects loop of some sort of pedal for me it's the hx stomp and when you set your amp you you set it to however it sounds good for the steel and then with the guitar you put like a light overdrive on the guitar so that the guitar has a little bit more of a grit like the saturation a little saturation where you want the steel to be perfectly clean so so here's how i do it my guitar goes into my Cali 76, into a Tumnus, Wampler, Lightspeed, into a Dual Fusion, into Hang a Hang on, time out. I'm about to take a picture. Sure. That way I'll remember to throw, stick it in the video. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this is really interesting and, and fun to talk about. I actually meant to make a YouTube video about what I'm about to tell you because I, th- I just think it's so cool. Okay, and, cool. Uh, Continue. I'm sorry. So then after the uh, overdrive and volume pedal section of the pedal board, enter the HX Stomp. Now, what I do is I run the HX Stomp into the effects loop. I believe it's the left return or left send or whatever it is on the side here. Okay. So the steel enters there so it doesn't see Any these the distortion pedals. pedals. So it's just the wet. It's just the wet. Yeah, so then I get a dry steel signal here, and then it's shared. So so at this point, you're hearing the steel and guitar, and then you can add delay, and you get the same delay for both, same reverb and tremolo for both, and it goes out into your amp, and it works great. Um, I do love how those Strymon pedals just Oh, they right sound so They sound great, but they also just fit right up against one another. Yeah, yeah. I'm like... The same profile. Yeah. And they make it to where it's all top-mounted, and it just makes... A, whereas, yeah. not on this... Well, no, I guess that's true. I do have a, a, a couple of... Or one... I guess I have two top-mounted... Anyway, it becomes... Uh, footprint problematic as i'm sure you've experienced oh yeah yeah i've been through tons of uh different footprints but yeah i got lucky with this board jackson epley the bass player from the randy band actually uh gave me this pedal board wasn't using it and um it was just really great size and that's a great size yeah who makes it uh it's the rock 
Keyboard, I think, or mm-hmm. Rock Gear. It's one of those two names. Um, I think I'm not sure the exact size. I know it's. I think it's 18 by 12, um, and it fits in my Pelican case, which don't quote me on this. I believe is a 1515 or 1555 dimensions are right there. And yeah, it's just awesome touring rig. Really happy with it. And I use a Chox power supply, which I I found have been really dope. Really? Yeah. Was They're, uh, shielded and quiet and isolated and quiet all the words low profile and like they have like usb out i presume yeah it's yeah it's under there and it has like a 24 uh volt out which like the strymons i don't think have and there was at one point i was powering my uh a telonics volume pedal for my pedal steel which was like some weird power and that thing could do it and like other power supplies were not able to do that um, so that was yeah cool. i don't know of any uh, other than i guess the chalks that has a 24 i've uh i've got, I've got something rock that have board, 18 by the way huh it's rock board rock board yeah shout out rock board yep and they make the dope uh these thin uh, uh patch ca- or cables that i'm using like, oh okay yeah those those dudes are, are really sweet i think they're like the thinnest ones you can get I, I thought that mine were pretty thin, but yours seem to be thinner. They are skinnier. That happens to me a lot. Shout out Chicago Music Exchange. Hooking me up with that. <laughs> yep. Do you, uh, do you know the brand of that cable? It's the same brand, actually. Rock. Oh, it's Rockboard Cables. Yeah. Copy. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I probably just missed that when you said it earlier. Yeah, I was hip to the cables before I got the board. Right on. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Um, so I'll certainly do my diligence and i'm london made a note so we'll post a link and sweet all the usual stuff like that um is are you taking multiple guitars out on that gig or are you having to have like an e-flat guitar or two yeah so i i use this telly this is my main are you guys X. doing stuff in record key or do you, does he change keys um he does change keys occasionally but mostly it's record stuff but there's a fair amount of uh Are you doing e- boots on an e-flat yes okay yeah so I, I it just has a certain balls to it in e-flat oh yeah 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 there's a lot of e-flat stuff so like i i bring my i brought my 335 out for the uh for the rock stuff um and i leave that guitar in e-flat and then um uh, this is my standard guitar, and then I have a Strat as backup in case I like break a string. That's in standard. Can you hold up that guitar? Yeah, uh, for us. It just it so it's in frame. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing that's really fun about the HX Stomp is it has like uh, one of those transposer things. So like if there's a which, song, which setting do you use? Uh, the Poly Capo. Okay. On I believe stable or extra stable. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Um, but it's really good. Like if there's a song in B flat and you want to play it in A, you don't have to worry about a capo. You just hit the pedal and it act, and it sounds great. It doesn't sound digitally manipulated. No, and I was like a big fan of the Digitech drop, but you couldn't actually go up in key mm-hmm. with the drop. You can only yeah, go down. Yeah, the drop down. is really good, but yeah. Yeah, and this, I mean, man, it's like 90% of the way there on like the stuff down. So There's like a, I, I find that there's a slight latency yeah um yeah it's not the worst but you don't hear as much of the um the artifact that like digital artifact the transient the mm-hmm. initial well no there's like there's this kind of like mike you know what i'm talking about yeah i do it there's like a there's a little drag there's like drag it. and there's also like like you know when a computer program like like in your daw like a, a third-party plug-in like glitches and you hear that like glitching sound yeah kind of does that are you talking about the drop 
I'm talking about the uh, the the HX stomp. Mm-hmm. Like on some of the other settings, mm-hmm. I I don't know that I've used the poly capo. That's the only one that I was aware that that did that. But I, mm-hmm. I, so I guess there's other ones too. There's other ones. Yeah. There's there's um the simple pitch I think, and then there's okay. poly pitch. There's a couple of different ones. Oh wow, crazy! I'll have to check those out. I mean, if yours is working for you. Uh, I, w- I would suggest not changing it. <laughs> I've, tried, I've tried a few of them, and and they did not work out great. Uh, okay, okay, cool. I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, I mean, nothing beats like a guitar, you know, it's already tuned to the right thing or whatever, but, you know, in a pinch, it's it's pretty badass. Man, that's interesting to yeah. know. I didn't know that it that's interesting. had that function. I've been, I've been like, struggling with um, capoing on gigs, and, mm-hmm. and like, I even bought one of those adjustable tension capos, mm-hmm. and it still throws my shit out of tune, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to check that out. I bought a G7, I think it's called, and it's like gold, because I'm like, I love gold, you know? <laughs> and, and like, that thing, you put that on the first fret, and it's pretty damn close to being in tune, but I still prefer just playing an A, you know? Because even if I'm playing a really simple chord progression, when I got a capo on, it's like going to the flat seven it's like a flat oh my god you know it sucks yeah, I just want to play a g d it's just thank god like when you said i love gold all i could think of was that uh <laughs> that fake uh well it was a real news segment from alabama oh the leprechaun yeah yeah i'm gonna get a back hold up root that tree because i want to know what a gold at <laughs> dude that video is so anybody see the leprechaun say yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's a it's classic. It's one of those This radio station that I listened to in Dallas uh went to that town and like interviewed the guy that was the the leprechaun and it was like, Yeah, we were just yeah, we may have been a little high or something. <laughs> Pretty funny. Well, we gotta watch that after this. That's oh, absolutely. definitely Yeah. Definitely. Uh yeah so anyway sorry that's how yeah. my brain works as anyone who's ever watched this podcast or yeah. listened to this podcast oh and i also got the gfi expo pedal steel out there uh with the it's that single joint right yeah single neck with the pad no pad just 10 10 strings three and four ten strings in the truth 10 strings in the truth <laughs> yeah 10 strings three pedals four knee levers a volume pedal some finger picks oh no vertical lever. no vertical on that guy and the truth Amen. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. The truth is the most important part, Mike. Amen. Which is really just trying to play that damn thing in tune. Well, yeah. So, that, do you do you adopt the altered yes. synth tuning? Yes. The uh, I do the Jeff New or yeah Jeff Newman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. E nine sweetened tuning on the tuner. But recently, I've been trying to tune it by ear, where I just get my E right on the money and then tune sort of different positions so like the e chord open open uh f sharp d sharp a and b down tune the changes then f le- f and a and then tune that you know and i'm a dummy can you explain that is that like some equal tempered or well tempered type thing so basically when you depress uh some pedals on a pedal steel your guitar you know fluctuates it moves because of the tension so you actually have to compensate uh certain notes so not everything is 440 if everything was 440 when things started to move as soon as you hit a pedal it would be out of tune so some you know say opposing pitches are like you know a little flat or a little sharp and it's and then you can kind of like nudge things in tune with your bar and certain positions i was just about to say i know dudes who 
are the the, the was the was the his company that he uh Jeffrin mm. he uh the Jeffrin College Jeffrey Newman College okay anyway uh that that school of tuning and then I know dudes who are just like no man I just tune it with a Boss TU3 or whatever right and whichever way you do it you're right because your playing is used to whatever that is and so you can probably play it in tune exactly whoever you are if that's what you're used to yes so i think it's probably just whatever makes you feel most comfortable yeah because the that's the only thing that makes any sense to me because i I mean again uh dudes that definitely play in tune that definitely do not follow that uh right because it's like you know that your f sharp is uh point zero three cents below is that a left hand thing or a, or a pedal thing it's a it's a pedal thing it's like how yeah. hard you depress the pedal well no, no you, it's you just depress the, it the full it's, it's 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 how yeah it's just how the 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 changer stretches the string basically right mm. right yeah and what you're expecting and you can you can tune the string at the at the headstock and then there's a system of nylon tuners for the for the changers and and you can change each pull or push oh really so you can change the like by intervals or is it no 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 it's just it's yeah it's fine tuning it's It's like 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 a floyd rose yeah Yeah, by sense for sure okay yeah oh that's i had no idea and you got to turn it one way if it's a raise and one way if it's a lower and like you better you better be real sober and on your game trying to tune it. Uh, so wait, there, there yeah. are pedals that lower the pitch of a string. Yeah. Yes. Oh, dude, I had no. Most idea. people have a left knee that right, uh, left knee right raises, left knee left lowers. Okay. That your E's, mm-hmm. which are oh okay four and eight. Yeah. Yeah. Am four, I am I right there? Four and eight are your E's, yeah. Left knee left raises the E's, left knee oh, left. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it backwards. Left knee left. And then you're on your right uh, knee, right knee right lowers your D sharp to C sharp and your ninth string D to C sharp. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh, so I some have. levers will bend two strings? Yeah, yeah. Blowing my mind right now. Yeah, it's... It is way, way. I already knew it was complicated. It's it, way more it complicated than I thought it was. Extremely complicated, and one of the reasons that I do most of my steel playing in this room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, not anywhere. Enough, yeah. I think you know more about it than I do. Just talking to you. I mean, I it's just wild. I, man. I love the instrument, and when I first got mine, I shed for like six months, and like I told you earlier, the first thing I learned how to play was the Johnny solo Lee. to. Uh, look at us john huey on vince gill yeah which isn't that complicated but it's like a whole set of skills that it takes to play something like that that i didn't have Mm -hmm. except for when i was done i could play that and i couldn't play anything else i couldn't i probably couldn't even transpose it you know what i mean right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i had a i had a certain ability it was novice but now i'm just like i can I could squeak out parts here at the house with it. I just don't, I don't have enough time. To, I haven't. I haven't spent enough time on it in the last. Yeah, it's a constant x amount of years. You know, it, it, yeah, you got to put a, hours. Use it or hours. lose it too, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. And beer. Man, I mean, you look cool. You're at least not fat. I mean. I- <laughs> God damn it! I wish uh, I had yeah, been rolling on bad. everything for that. 
<laughs> I think I, I think I got your camera in this. I'm kind of fat. Sometimes depends. <laughs> I mean, I'm less fat than I once was. But Welcome I'm, back to gear. But you wear it so well. I feel like you give yourself a lot of shit. But you're not like I don't. I don't ever. It feels like my clothes are ripping off of my body because I am just <laughs> but too it looks much so for cool. them. Yeah, dude, you look cool. You, you look cool as shit with a rip. You rock it, bro. Well, part of the problem is this is my third beer, and I had rice and tacos. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Trust me. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out a, a workaround for eating before the pod podcast but the the vibe that is generated down there before we come up here just seems kind of helpful yeah oh not that that you and i have hung out many times and played gigs and whatever i I, but it's just like it's just like you know just like easing into it you know just we are we've already come up with shit that we want to talk about and then we just come up here and talk about it It just makes it easy are are we rolling right now yeah we're rolling nice uh not quite okay sorry I had to hear what you said and think about it because I couldn't actually hear it because I've got my ears in. <laughs> and then I had to say it again. Yeah, and that helped. That part where you repeated it was helpful. Um, <laughs> that's going to make for great audio. And I, I try not to edit anything out. So uh, just so you know. <laughs> Let her rip. <laughs> you know, I, I just try... I, I, I'm trying to bring just like honest conversation amongst professionals because like, yes, this is kind of formal, but like, I feel like anybody that's been on this podcast would agree that these are still the same kinds of conversations we would have if we met at, uh, you know, the bar and grill down the street and we were having some wings and a couple of beers, we would still be talking about the same stuff. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't be necessarily like interviewing you. And I, and I think that that's part of it, you know, whatever, who this, anybody that cares where I'm coming from, I want to know details about the guest, but I also just kind of, you know, just the topics of conversation that seem to come up amongst uh colleagues or peers or however you want to put it uh you know there's 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 value in that for whether it's lower level players or players that are super pros but like in a different way in a different part of the country or in like I'm talking to people that are a lot of people based out of Nashville, but I've had some people from Dallas and, uh, you know, other people that are, when they're in town, I try to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I, I just, I just feel like there's each person has their own insight, you know? And it's like, you, you have that conversation with that one dude after this one gig and they say something and you're like, Holy shit. Right. Never thought about it like that. And it's just like, you know, it helps everybody to grow. That's really what I'm what I'm trying to get out of this. So so that being said, like if you were to just be like to give another pro let's let's just say another pro like a uh, a peer if you were to be like here here's this thing that maybe you didn't think of think of that someone brought to my attention or whatever like uh, whether it's just like a when you show up to rehearsal make sure you know the song or uh or or whatever like you know don't play too loud or don't play too much Uh, can you think of a piece of advice that maybe someone wouldn't think about and without being told it that that you've learned some somewhere along the way is that extremely obscure and long-winded question worth answering 
Well, <laughs> no, not at all. It, it's it's a great question, oh, and uh, <laughs> I wish I had a great answer Surprise, for you. Beer. Yeah, Beezy. Yeah, Beezy's. You know, there's God. There's so many like amazing nuggets of wisdom I've heard over the years and stuff. Um, one that kind of helped me out one time and this is like this isn't a great example and maybe i'll think of one as the podcast goes on but somebody told me when you show up to a session to overplay on the first take and i thought that was interesting because you can always take away from something then add it so like when you show up in a room where like nobody really knows you you just kind of want to give it you know all you got on the first take so they're like wow okay, like, we can pick from that and take away rather than, like, not give it to them and be like, hmm, where's it at? That's certainly an interesting approach. Um, I can see the value in that. Uh, I've never applied that, so I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's – I thought it was kind of cool to, you know, just go in there kind of like guns blazing on the it first It would have pass, to be like you know? a give it your all while still trying, like, honoring the song, you mean? Or just oh, like, yeah. Or just like uh, – check it out here's uh 34 seconds of sweeping and tapping i don't think it'd be like you know just like going full like like don't care but i but i mean you know really just like digging filling it up like nobody else is gonna come behind you yeah not afraid copy you know that makes sense but yeah i get i get you yeah uh that's just, that's a that's a that's a cool perspective. I, uh, another, that's not what I thought you would say. I didn't right. know what you would say, here's, but it wasn't that. Actually, here here's one that I would say. I would say know the rules before you break the rules, and and I mean that in the uh, when I talk about like transcribing or like learning solos or um, when it comes to improvising. Like I'm I'm very much of the thought that you should learn the way that somebody did it, especially on a solo, and really you know honor that tradition before you move to like do your own version of it that's a a great point i could not agree more i find myself saying that to people all the time it's like what you did was cool but the starting place is exactly how that shit goes right once you've done that then go off then yeah from there right add your personality to that but let's not ignore it never once learn it never once play it right and ignore all the parts that whomever spent whatever amount of time whether it was a fast demo session or whatever the artist has played that song seven thousand times listening to it and analyzing it and they're expecting to hear a certain thing so unless someone's told you otherwise you assume that what you do is you play nails note for note to the best of your ability note for note and tone for tone yes and when 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 you have nailed that to the cross and someone says uh, even if no one says anything you you, let's just say you're just nailing to the cross for a while as they say right um then if you let's let's say a few weeks or months or a few gigs down the road you decide you know what would be cool is doing this here in this instead of what's on the record that I've been doing. Yeah. And then somebody's going to be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Because they know that you know the song. Right. They know that you're not a, uh, uh, a lazy person who declined to do their homework or, or whatever. Right. And it, it's just like trying to get a kid to eat their vegetables. You know, it's like it's a lot about how you present it. Yeah yeah to get them to take the first bite so 
I could not agree more, man. I I've, I run into a. I feel like I run into that a lot on certain gig situations where it's like everybody learned these songs and they show up and it's like they know the form and they know harmonically where chords are. Yeah, and that's about it. And it's like, well, right, right. That's that's not really what I'm, we're asking and for. And I'm and I'm guilty of of that too, like showing up on gigs and not knowing, you know, like all the fills and all the parts. It's one thing if you're somebody's calling you to play a shift on Broadway. It's another thing if we're playing 45 minutes, opening up for yes, uh, you know, yeah, Tennille Towns or, or something, you know, right, or, right, right. Or whatever. You really got to know it. Yeah, if you're if you're not playing a cover gig and it's with, if you're playing a cover gig and you play in a cover band. And you are playing the same songs every week. You know these songs are coming up. No matter what, yep. this band calls these songs. And you don't bother to learn those songs unless someone says, hey, don't worry about learning the way that goes. Right. Learn the way it goes. Yeah. It'll make you better. Yeah. It'll make you better. At the very least, you will have considered a nuance of a song that you had not previously considered. And it can make all the difference in the way it feels to the person singing it that you're backing up or whatever. Yes. And that that stuff is so important. It's it's another thing if somebody calls you at two o'clock and says, Hey, can you come downtown and play at six? And you're like, Uh, sure, who's the in the band? And they say three people that you've never heard of you're like okay and you get there and you don't know a song well tough shit because you called me at two o'clock well yeah 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 yeah. you know so that's different yeah that's i can't imagine you having time to prepare and just showing up and not knowing something you've got to be talking about a situation where it's like uh last minute hey come can you come play this gig well you know we're talking about that too but i'm really coming from the place of just learning classic solos even and and playing like old stuff like like the solo to like working man blues like a lot of guys like just kind of like sort of learn the solo because it sounds easy and it's like a one four five and whatever but like i'm pretty damn sure that like james burton capoed the fifth fret on the record and played that because like when i went to learn the licks of it it was like that would, that's a very james burton thing to do too. yeah and played out of e in the key of a because there's some there's some dead giveaway moments in it and it was like when i learned that or kind of figured that out it was like oh my god like this is a I, whole I've not done that kind world. of homework yeah i just you know doing that kind of homework for me is like i'm just like passionate about you know learning cool guitar stuff but yeah when it comes to well, gig, it shows gigging too, it shows in your playing for sure thank you but yeah when it comes to gigging no, too thank you absolutely <laughs> you know when you get on a when you get on a good gig man yeah i mean show up more prepared than prepared prepared for everything even if it's not a good gig man and yeah. again if it's just, if it's a if you agree to like play a showcase for 45 bucks like you're still obligated to learn the material again unless yeah. it's like a, it's two o'clock and we need you at six i shouldn't say a good gig yeah when you agree to do a gig you're agreeing to learn everything exactly no, no. and if that yeah. gig sucks don't do another one but exactly. be prepared for the one that sucks yeah that yep. has been my it, it, it looks better on you you'll feel better at the end at least i i, I don't mean to tell other people how they're going to feel for me that's the only way i can do it yeah and that's what i expect from anybody that i hire right and that's what i will deliver to anyone that hires me and i've always said like whoever's on the other end of that phone i want to be able to tell them yes so that means that i better practice yeah i better know how i learn so that when it comes time to learn i can learn and one thing that i have figured out is like i learned uh 
a set to go play with this artist and uh in el paso and and mesa in december sometime in december and it was some like uh it was like McHugh and i was playing guitars like bukovac and McHugh and uh slos and the bad ms and word it was so much more to learn and it still somehow seemed easier than learning one of the like super poppy ambiguous chord progressions that never change and it's just like layers coming in and out yeah and like that's so much harder for me to remember than uh me too man you know 45 seconds of tom tom bukovac blazing that's so much easier harder to learn but once once i figured out what's happening it's like it's there because i just listened to it 600 times first of all but (laughs) (laughs) but but also it's like it's it's like giving someone directions before uh the before gps and be like the micro details and the small bits of information along the way go a lot of way towards uh making it easy to to get from a to b if that makes any sense it's kind of a weird analogy but huh uh, uh, knowing all those little and like having there be like as opposed to uh let's say driving from odessa texas to midland texas which is flat and straight and unremarkable in every imaginable way. yeah <laughs> that's that's kind of what it's like mm-hmm. there you have it ladies and gentlemen and that was guys a, gals and non-binary pals that was a beautiful analogy thank you actually. wow thank you thank you uh, uh, okay i get it I'm yeah just trying to compare music to uh directions i believe luke bryan did that in a very popular song by william currington called good directions <laughs> Did you know that was Luke Bryan wrote that? I didn't know that. He wrote that song. Oh, that's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah. Uh, I forget who's playing Dobra on that, but... Uh, you mean it, Luke Bryan is the only writer on that song? I don't know if that's true, but well, he is... Yeah. I'm going to use this, sign, this tiny supercomputer. Do me a favor and uh, tap into Skynet over there and ask Jeeves if that's true. Uh, is it okay if I use Bing? Uh, no. Um, I would rather you just ask Jeeves. That way we can get a person-to-person kind of response. Okay, well, let me Google Ask Jeeves so that I can get to the Ask Jeeves website. Do, do that, and then duck, duck, go to it. <laughs> do I find those directions on MapQuest? Uh, All right, we're done with this. I just saw uh, some meme about a picture of MapQuest directions, and I was like, how was that ever a thing? Here's an idea. Get behind the wheel of your car drive somewhere that you've never been and oh yeah halfway there pull out a piece of paper and do some reading <laughs> i mean well it was like the thomas guide you got to do what before, you got to do but at I mean, least it get, you know at least it took the map and just gave you you know one two three do this do that it was a step in the right direction rachel totally. thibodeau is the other songwriter oh thibodeau all the boys in Thibodeau. Oh, Louisiana looking ass. Light up pretty little Cajun queen. Oh man. You know that one? I don't know that one. That's a George Strait tune. Uh oh, oh little, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know that one. Oh no. Here coming down the road with the cotton dress of swishing. She's getting some attention from the boys down in Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Now it just came full circle. Adelida. Yeah. Right, that's okay. a great tune, man. Yeah. 
Uh, you know that tune? No. Uh, yes. Hey, now that you sang that. Uh, yesterday on the gig, Rob Music wore a go to hell hat. <laughs> go to hell. Do you remember that discussion with Tim Galloway? No. What? Uh, about the the beret, but like for like a jazz hat. Yeah, 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 it yeah. told me it was that some, an artist pulled it off his head and told him it was called a go to hell hat. But I it never, was like some big artist. I don't remember who yeah, it was. Yeah, he didn't say on the podcast. Okay. But but either uh, either way, he said that it, in parts of the South, you know what I'm talking about? Like a golf hat, like back yeah. advanced. Like yeah, it's a newsboy hat. It's called a, yeah, it's called a go to hell hat. Really? Never, never heard of that. Anyway, never heard so it. Rob on the gig yesterday, I was like, oh, nice go to hell hat. Oh. And it, it, it wasn't a trucker it. hat that said go to hell. It was like no, no, no. a newsboy. Yeah, it was a yeah Bagger Vance uh, Scottish golf apparel. Nice. Swagging. Apparently, that's called a go to hell hat. I didn't do any research about that. If I can remember. Hey, Lyndon, make okay. a note that says research go to hell hat. Got you. I need to know more. Yeah, that's. I wonder where that one came from. I don't know. Whoever thought of that, whoever is that offended by hats or shirts or apparel, you need to just relax. Yeah. It's a hat. Yeah. You're going to be okay. It's one thing if that hat says something extremely obscene or like racist or something. Right. But if it's just a style of fabric sewn together. Right. That seems that unre- offends you. Seems unreasonable. Yeah, it does. Maybe you need to check yourself. <laughs> check yourself. Sorry, man. Uh, I, I love hats. Dude, I love hats too, man. Yeah, um, big hat fan. They, I, I'm a big hat fan in the regards that most hats are too small for my watermelon head. Yeah, I too have a large cranium, Do and you? I require a. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Extra I like that hat. one. I like your cotter. How'd you say it earlier? Uh, well, I, th- I believe it's pronounced corduroy. It is, but you. But know, I said corduroy. Or yeah, you get you like gave it a. Corduroy. We were we were doing characters and corduroy. Corduroy. That's what it was. Yeah, I'm like I kind of collect corduroy hats. I, just, I, like I think they're cool. They're like kind of cool. They're kind of like next level trucker hats. To they me. are. It's like uh, I I see your vintage trucker hat and I raise you corduroy. Yeah, <laughs> word. Except for. Uh, it would probably make my head sweaty. They, yeah, they 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 tend to be a little hotter. Like they're not, they're definitely not like a summertime hat for sure. For sure, it's 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 like the felt, but the on, felt hat versus the straw hat. But on the on the flip side, I'm also a fan of the all mesh trucker hat where there's no like front panel. It's just all mesh around with like a patch. Like that is sick too. That's pretty dope. That's yeah. ultimate comfort. Ultimate and just like sweaty driving your truck through like Missouri. Just like I like to, I like to pronounce it misery. Um, yeah. Do you, do you want some go to hell hat history right now? Yes. Yeah. Let's do live action. Um, so if you're listening with children, you should probably cover their ears. Oh, is this about to be like horrible history? Of the uh, United it's not States? horrible history. It's just very, uh, vulgar. Um, okay, so... Yeah, put the kids to bed. From the book, uh, FUBAR, Fucked Up Beyond All Recognition. Foobar. Soldier slang of World War II, page 82. Overseas cap, garrison cap, less restrained terms included, go to hell cap, and cunt cap. For Marines, a piss cutter and a fore and aft cap. Uh, garrison cap, flat cap... Uh, These are all words for that one yeah, kind of hat. Uh, that and like a couple of other uh, s- 
kind of similar military shit style hats. yeah um wow. but one of the one of the supposed there's kind of like a few different su- suggestions the one i found the most interesting is and maybe plausible is that uh, a person wearing that hat would be very likely to tell you to go to hell which is great yeah yo that's so funny wow i can see that guy on the corner you know you all may go to hell and i will go to texas (laughs) (laughs) i believe that is the great Stephen f austin that's right that's right so there it is yeah so it's not it's not the guy was offended at the hat it's the guy wearing the hat was telling you to go to hell which is wow which just tells me. me that the person that did the snatching of the hat off of the head did not understand why they were upset but i think if it's if the term is that old then you got to think that like a lot of people wore it back then so it, it's a little less arrogant looking mm. of a hat to wear back then so i still don't understand why yeah, they're that was likely ex- to tell you to go to hell that's back in the days of fedoras and yeah. derbies and yeah and so so is it like uh, all that shit the yeah. person that wears that kind of hat i mean i would i think of like an irishman you know like a peaky blinders kind of dude great so show. maybe it's because they're they're like kind of a hard ass mike loves tv and movie talk yeah it's my favorite <laughs> i'm really good at it he loves peaky <laughs> blinders tell him more that's it. You guys keep going. Welcome back to the Hat Club. Today we're talking about go to hell hats, <laughs> derby hats, and dude, we are so far off the rails hats. right now. That's okay, dude. Who cares? Uh, that one fucking asshole on YouTube. Uh, uh, Sorry. Go to hell hats. Yeah. Um, Is that the garage door? I mean, it, oh yeah, for sure. It's definitely the garage. I don't feel it. home. I feel it. Yeah, that's what it was. I, it's definitely not. Well, going. get ready for it again because it's about to happen. No, you're right though. <laughs> I would say hats are an essential piece of gear. Man, oh that's yeah. They're like you, Mike. They're almost like tech. It's like, what kind of a day are you expecting? Because if it's yeah. going to be cold, perhaps you might want to wear a toboggan or a <laughs> stocking cap. An insulated stocking cap known as a toboggan or a beanie, most commonly. Yeah. Or perhaps you're headed to the beach and you have uh, sensitive uh, ocular perceptory units and you need uh, respite from the sun. So perhaps uh, a head covering to protect your scalp from the sun as well as some sort of uh, sun porch to protect your eyes (laughs) would be in order. He said sun porch. Oh my god. Hey man, I'm just uh I'm just expounding here. I'm just, just free flowing. I'm just uh now we're flowing and now we're going and whatever. Um anyway, enough about hats. Uh what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. But that was a solid like seven minutes. That's okay. That will certainly I will I will find use for that by itself in some sort of blooper reel uh perhaps someday in the future um mike thanks for being a part of that my pleasure um so something that i've been asking guests recently that i think is cool to kind of like get inside where someone is at musically and like what inspires them is like what 
what if anything do you find yourself listening to or do you just spend all your time learning alan jackson solos on guitar and steel <laughs> like or, or yes and yes like yeah. so uh lately it's like yeah my go-to has been like just 90s country playlists for just going down the rabbit hole trying to find like cool solos and just like really yeah like nerd out go hard on that whole thing right um but recently like because of the randy gig um i've like met a bunch of new cats and they're kind of from all over like the drummers from louisiana trey landry who's super awesome and he's louisiana's a good spot for musicians man he's been showing me some really cool stuff he showed me this neville brothers record um called live from planet earth from 1994 london if you don't mind making a note that is un it's life-changingly good it's like it's so amazing i was showing it to a friend last night we went up to whiskey jam and we were shooting the shit about music stevie redstone is his name and uh what a name yeah he just moved here from la he's a great cat and i showed him that record and man we just got we just went down the rabbit hole just rocking out to it um and then like last week uh our sound guy on the bus and I guess we're all sort of like inspired by our surroundings and who we're hanging out with all the time, right? Totally. So yeah, he's like a front of house guy slash like tour manager. He has a lot of experience in the metal world. So the other night, you know, we were just shooting the shit, and I was like, "Man, throw me like your like best like metal shit. Like I want to get schooled in some metal." And he was showing me all these bands like Mashuga. Yeah. And there was another one that I can't remember the name right now. Forgive me. But then we ended up on Pantera. And ended up on Cowboys from Hell, and I had this like moment where I was like, "Cowboys from Hell, like that is like '90s country, like to the extreme." I was like, so I really took that on. So like, are you not familiar with it? That that kind of those, those records? Not like so. Pantera's no. from where I'm from, so like I knew about that at a, a young age, and I'm a big fan of all the all that music. Wow. So it's interesting to like. Also, he was like in the '90s, and you're a little younger than me, not too terrible five years or so yeah it's only it's only like a like a half a decade yeah Uh, which sounds way worse than it is when i say it that way uh but like in the 90s like the late 90s like dimebag was all over mtv and like guitar magazines and shits yeah like i just i yeah it never clicked with me ever you know i I probably wasn't allowed to even listen to that kind of music at that point in my life. Um, But, and like going back, you know, and I've had like cool personal experiences with Dime and Vinny and all those people. And from that camp, like met people who I would consider friends for life, like uh, the homie Sterling Winfield, who's an amazing engineer and producer in his own right he engineered far beyond driven and all the rest of the pantera catalog everything that vinnie did after that the damage plan and hell yeah with the mudbane guys and like and he also would like come run sound for me at a bar gig if i needed him to you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. he's just like he's just a solid ass dude the homie yeah and, and super skilled you know uh yeah so that's just that's just crazy uh that someone into guitar playing as long as you've been into would have never like dipped your toe in cowboys from hell i like i i kind of was like kind of a softy of a guitar player like it's such a cool riff oh my god yeah i mean but like i was like 
like when I heard like Larry Carlton and like Steely Dan, like that's what made me want to like go to music school. And then in music school, I was like grabbed my ES three forty seven and I was learning like you know jazzy funk stuff like from the seventies. Like that was my vibe. And like my metal days were like in high school, and I was you know like into like thrash metal like from the eighties. Like and even like Slayer was like a little heavy for me and stuff. So I was like I was more of like a Van Halen like kind of I don't know that was kind of my lane you are listening to the gear and beer podcast today's episode is sponsored by Bobby Jam's Kitchen want to take your home cooking to the next level need new recipe ideas or meal inspiration like follow and subscribe to Bobby Jam's Kitchen on youtube and instagram at bobby jams kitchen cook your food and eat it no just a second ago uh you mentioned in your formative years like hearing larry carlton and steely dan and like being drawn to that uh mm-hmm. do you care to elaborate on that was it like the kid charlemagne solo oh absolutely or? that was it i was watching vh1 in high school and up to this moment it was like uh metal and like the crossroads theme and all chops and jamming along to like classic rock records and really trying to get my technique and you know rock style soloing and then when i heard that solo and he does that altered lick over the b flat 13 chord i mean it was like life yeah it was like and there's a flat seven like he did the merle haggard lick in there i mean shit dude that's true he did that solo fuck my dad let my world over within the last two months texted me and said something to uh, if not exactly this to the effect of uh the guitar solo and steely dan kid charlemagne is the best guitar solo of all time yeah i think rick beato like said something like that too if you're familiar with rick's podcast i i I don't know him as a podcaster. I just or, uh, know his... the YouTube channel i'm sorry okay well i, I am familiar with that but it wouldn't surprise me if he is also doing a podcast I think that that dude has a lot of information and a lot of beneficial videos. And I think he's also got a lot of things where he's having to do the necessary, like, YouTube hype thing for, for his algorithm. Yeah. The he's top great, 10 guitar solos of all time. That, though. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. You absolutely. know what I mean? And, and, and I don't, why I, I don't fault him for that. It's just like, uh, that kind of stuff too many of those and i I just turns me off of it for a while dude that's that's one of those guys that you look at and you don't think he's going to play the way he does and then you hear him play a multitude of dude it is crazy how good at guitar he is oh yeah and he can play bass and he can play drums and he can play piano i didn't know that i mean i figured he could at least play some of it because he programs stuff in there have y'all seen that ear training video with him and uh his son is that his son? Yeah, the kid that like just names off the crazy. I didn't chords. know that. Was oh, his son, his son got was, like perfect pitch or something. I, I thought it was a student. That's his son. That's really? Dylan. Yeah, I don't know how old he is, but yeah, he's 
incredible. Obviously, <laughs> the most ridiculous set of ears on a child since Jacob Collier or somebody for, like, for sure. or or Aaron the bassist from yeah. Ukraine or wherever is that it, kid's from. Is it perfect pitch or is it is it like he just names extensions no, on he, every single chord? He he's playing polychords and he's just calling out notes bottom to top. Oh, with his back to the piano. Not even qual- not just quality like the stack. Of- yeah, he's playing he's playing like eight eight notes. Just like ha- whatever. Pick eight random notes. Four fingers on each hand, and yep. the kids like G sharp F. Wow! What, what, just like tell reading well, it out. I guess when you got a dad that plays guitar like that, and you grow up with that, I I don't care who your dad is. That is some oh, special. I'm, shit. I'm not trying to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I have a I have a couple of friends. Uh, excuse me, my shoelaces that serve no function that always come untied. I've come untied. Do you always wear boat shoes on the podcast? Uh, no. <laughs> But I wear these on this podcast a lot because they're not great for walking at all. That's such a good subtle roast. That is that is a good roast. Thank that you. Is, I was waiting that for is it. A good roast. I was like, oh, I see it. There it is. I think that's my favorite thing. That is absolute. Hey, can you do me a favor? On my computer in my notes section is a yeah. gear and beer quotes page. Please put. Do you always wear boat shoes on the podcast? <laughs> Mike Khalil in there. Yeah. Definitely using that. Yes. I've earned that roast. No one is... I, I wear these shoes on this podcast probably six times. No one has ever even mentioned them, and they're ridiculous. They really are. They're also, the socks, too. I mean, they, they're like cut off short socks. Well, they're the only kind of sock to wear with a shoe of this low profile. Why wear socks with that fucking shoe? Well, because I, if I don't, the leather will cause my foot to sweat, and then it will slip off. I get it. Anyways, Larry Carlson's fucking awesome. Dude, you're right about my socks. No. <laughs> um, no, you're right about Larry Carlson being fucking awesome. So, when you... Were you are actively listening to Steely Dan at that point when you heard that solo? Yeah, and then into high school, I, I saw them a time or two live and with Walter. Uh, man, yeah. I saw him with Walter. I used to just get stoned with my buddies and like nerd out on Asia, and I was. Uh, it's a great record. Holy it's not. It's the it's the first one for me. That's the first one I really deep dived. Into. Right. Yeah. It's not even close to my favorite. What's your favorite? I would say either Gaucho or Countdown. I like Gaucho a lot too. Gaucho's great sonically and songwriting. Yeah. It's like super fagany. Yeah. Um, but Countdown to Ecstasy with all the uh, uh, Baxter pl- uh, Skunk Baxter playing all that steel on that. Yeah. Uh, was like uh, Pearl of the Quarter and yep. all that stuff, dude. Yeah. That those songs. I mean, they're like. They're like jazzed up American songbook sounding like the recordings. And there's just something about them that just sound extremely classic, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I just I just love that record. Uh, I, I My dad, Facebook, ordered me a Countdown to Ecstasy t-shirt. Some they, Facebook advertised that T-shirt to him, and he's like, "I bet Robert would love this," and he bought it. And now I have a countdown to ecstasy <laughs> T-shirt and T-shirt. That's awesome. If you can't tell, Rob's dad's pretty cool. My dad is pretty cool. That's a '63 Strat over there. If you haven't played that, you should definitely play that. Yeah, it is real weird because the frets are '63, and it's basically like a fretless guitar. Wow. Except for so it has original frets. Yeah, and by original frets, I mean 
almost none. <laughs> What's left of them? Yes, it's in dire need of frets. Do you have a like a feeling about changing the original frets on a guitar like that? I just don't know who to take it to. It's not something that I want someone to get wrong. Because <laughs> I've always got my guitars refretted, even when they when they are vintage guitars, and I never thought anything of it. But I hear vintage guitar people, you know, calling out, "Oh, this guitar has if changed." If you're trying frets. to maintain value like that, that's a completely original guitar, right? The, right. Like nothing has been changed in it. That's amazing. Like I'd be so down to check that out, man. Like it's yeah, it's, it's so rare. Too. It's very interesting, and it's uh. It's got the, it's a rosewood board. Uh-huh. I think they call it the veneer. It's like a really thin slab. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we are running Bring mics, it. and this is a podcast. Why don't you play it? All right. Yeah, plug well, it in. Plug it into the woolly coats. But like, what oh, when you God. when you get a second, look at the profile of the board. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. You're going through the aux, man. I'll, I'll run you in the aux. Okay. Actually, you should, you should be good to go. What is it? Oh, here. 60 year old Jack. Wow. Yeah, no doubt, dude. It's crazy. What a tremolo down here. For the listeners, this is through a what year is that Pro Reverb? 65 Pro Reverb, 65, uh, 63 Stratocaster. And then Mike's uh, pedal board. Yeah, Mike's board in the aux with a 112. Is that killing your ears, Rob? Okay. It's making them feel awesome. It's like super clear, right? Of course, once they have both hands on it, it sounds extremely authentic. You just spread it out. frets make you want to dig in it's a very weird guitar this is bridge like isn't the bridge pickup like the achilles heel of any strat of the bad ones yeah a good good strat has that super woody neck and a super punchy bridge and they're like not crazy funny you asked about the slides so like there's a lot of bottleneck playing on that gig and i don't do any of it randy does a little bit of it but i just um went down to carter and i bought oh yeah the, you were saying you bought you've got a ring finger slide they got they had these legit like coracetum bottles that i guess drew smithers sourced for them or something but they're like the legit, legit vintage coracetum bottle like whatever Dwayne allman used like yeah, the yeah. same profile. whatever Derek trucks uses yeah. yeah so i bought one of those and i just been home shedding it on the ring finger and you know watching Derek and jd simo and yeah. some other it's cats. hard with a with a weighted 
uh, slide like that. It doesn't bother me. I I had one for a long time, and someone stole it off of my. I had my this amp case with was like my picks and my shit. Uh-huh. And at Paradise Park, I was playing. I turned around, and somebody had just taken it. Oh God. Oh man. Yeah, like, they're hard to come by, I was man. Like, bro. Like I paid like thirty five dollars for that piece of glass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dick. Yeah, and so I, I just inflation. never bought another one. Yeah, there, I had if, the Derek Truck signature like Dunlop one or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not the same. Yeah, no, these are these are cool. Um, and Get your fingers sweaty. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I would have remembered to bring it, even though I suck at it. But it's it's so fun. It's man. a cool sound. It's a cool vibe. Yeah, and just with you know with the Randy thing, like just you know been taking that on. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm ready to bust out on the gig yet, but we'll see. You know, it's also weird. He's to, like, something you never got into. Is that the that the whole deal? Yeah, I more mean, or less. A, it, playing slide is. I play slide a fair amount, and it is still real hard. Yeah, like even even I can shed something and be nails, and then just get to the gig, and it's like something's just off where I just cannot yeah. tune yeah. well. You know, it's like yeah, it's it's just it's a very it's finicky. Yeah, JD. I was watching this JD Simo video, and he was saying, "Man, you just got to like go on stage and like suck at it until you don't suck at it anymore." It's <laughs> like, man, fair enough, man. I mean, that's right? an extremely uh, rough edges assessment of being a musician in general. Well, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it, absolutely. I mean, that's that's really it. It's just that's get, what it takes, bro. That, yeah, for sure. Doing it wrong Yo, right? when you when is least opportune for you to do it wrong oh yeah and being like oh shit how do i prevent this from yeah that fire that gets lit from that i remember playing a gig at roberts sorry to interrupt you oh you're fine fuck him and and uh i was like playing with this amazing steel player and like i was just like so into what this dude was playing when he was who was it oh god it was tommy hannum Tommy Hannum's bad to the bone. Yeah, we were playing a gig with Sarah Gale, and like he would do this stuff in his, you know, and while he was soloing, was Bubes playing drums? Uh, I think it was Walter Hartman, maybe. Oh, okay. But I was, I was so into it, and coming from like sort of a jazz background or whatever, you know, I was trying to play like flat nines and like some cool like jazzy stuff. I wasn't trying to like solo or step on it, but there was even times where he would play an idea, and then I would kind of like mimic it. But I was just like just so focused on his playing right i was just so into it and i was having fun and i thought i was doing amazing i thought it was so cool and after the gig he just came over to me and he goes boy when i'm soloing you play thirds and sevenths if i play a 13 and you play a flat 13 that shit sounds wrong and i mean he was looking at me dead in the eye like telling me like you really pissed me off basically you know and i really was like oh my god i am so sorry (laughs) like i'll never do it again and i never it changed my comping i mean forever after that i mean when probably for the better 100 percent, man i don't know what it was when i was in music school it was like comping was all about you know being cool and hip kind of like as in yeah but like in what situation in like small jazz combo right and that was the thing is it's like we're in nashville at roberts playing like buck owens like if you're playing i'm it's that man that's it that's all you get and when it's your turn to solo knock it out of the park flat every 13 if you want exactly 
but don't you be. Don't you damn do it ever but again. If, I mean, it was to the point where it was like, if I play a sharp nine, you play a flat nine, like, that's fucked up. And, like, I was from the school of, like, no, that's cool. But, like, no, I, not in this situation. You know what I mean? There, there are certainly more, like, structured harmonic rules to the swing thing. Like, the jazziness is for the soloist, and everybody else is still meat and potatoes. Exactly. Meat and potatoes. That's what it's all about. But, I mean, that, that makes, like, 100% of sense right right like, but, sure, but totally. it's, it's Absolutely. it should be obvious but it's not but but not to uh, like a lot of young no i mean myself and, right. included at that point it, yeah. it i don't i mean i don't know how old you were but like it the, yes, i think that we definitely all had a, a situation where like you know somebody made you realize that like you don't have the way to play you're doing these it ain't the very, way to do it. You, you know don't what? have to play these very harmonically specific right. voicings, especially if you're playing with a piano player or another guitar player or oh, yeah. a steel player. Yeah. Whatever. Somebody yes. like somebody carries the harmonic extension weight of yes. of the comping section. Yes. And that person should be listening to the soloist and being able to or the soloist could be going off of the person comping, but if two people are playing extensions, no. then there's a lot of room for fucking error unless the I extensions are written on the page. I, yes. I think that the way that you first phrase it is the way that it should be. The comp whoever is comping only harmonically should be doing stuff that the soloist is putting out there because if you're playing flat nines underneath my pentatonic i'm gonna sound like an asshole or you are either way neither one of us is gonna sound very well good. i'm saying just like just like maybe it, it's a communication thing right like like it, it just depends on the dynamic of the moment right like if a saxophone player is going somewhere and then a piano player that's comping underneath him has an idea and plays something that saxophonist can react to that and then they can right. go off of what the piano player is playing but in the moment it may be more appropriate for the piano player to just kind of sit more in the background and harmonically uh, accommodate Support. the sax yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, yeah i guess that it's pretty situational at least in jazz but in in western I think any situation in western swing that's just not how it's done the the comping is like yeah. you know hurry up and wait for the solo to be over and then play that little part that you've been playing again. i mean i think that i think that i could see where that would be more appropriate in in the sense of like not a lot of comping um, going on if just leave leave the uh the harmonic interpretation uh, of the extensions the solo, up to the soloist right. yeah absolutely in, yeah in jazz what you're saying absolutely true and that that's yeah. that's how that's how things grow and like go take you take, take some places some, somewhere yeah right. there's there's exactly. a little maybe a little less uh adventure yeah yeah it's like uh, in yeah. jazz you're all stumbling along the same path and somebody's like oh check it out i found this opening and then everybody goes down there and right, right. you know right. somebody and that I'll, goes for rhythm too really and, and, and especially I was, yeah i was approaching this situation from that place and that's where i you know was maybe uh not reading the room so to speak but i i dude i, I how do you know until you I've do had it those wrong, moments you know? and it's those, nobody told you those kind of lessons uh, it's like i moved to nashville for that kind of bitch slap you know where it was like wow i, I wish I, that i had i honestly i did so much learning like that all that learning like that i've ever done was in dallas by the time i got here i i've probably said this before on the podcast i know i've told Lyndon. it's like in dallas i was the youngest and i was the worst no matter the gig almost without 
across the board. I, I was youngest and the worst. I moved here, and it was immediately the opposite. I was immediately the oldest and by far the most prepared. Uh-huh. And I'm not even going to say the best. Just like I'm the most prepared to like get up here and be a professional musician or whatever. Yeah. I I've played with some players who were killing. Yeah. I've not been in a single situation where I felt like I didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground in, in Nashville. Yeah. They used to happen to me in Dallas all the time. Oh, it As matter of fact, in LA so it, too. it still happens oh, to me man. when I go back to Dallas. Oh, yeah, for sure. I played with the Funkin' Knuckles uh, at Christmas or Thanksgiving when I went back. And, like, the tunes that I called, I played fine. Mm-hmm. But somebody called, like, Naima and was like, I haven't shed that tune. And it was just like somebody was... I was just like punching everybody in the eardrums for like two choruses and then I just stopped. <laughs> Dude, uh, there was a um, very similar situation when I first moved to um, to Dallas or to Denton. Do me to go a favor and mute the ox. Okay. Um, That's amazing. Guitar I, I just, I'm just hearing 60 cycle. Yeah. Um, where uh, I, went, I went down to that jam at the walrus with uh with mike league and i think justin stanton went down with us and uh bernard wright was leading the the uh no rc was leading the session but bernard was playing and uh that was like the time when rc was like hey you've been coming and you're definitely gonna sit in this time you're first up get ready um and just no bullshit right and so like i go in i go in like sit in and i I've been learning this uh, RH Factor tune that Bernard wrote, and I know he wrote it, and I call it, uh, and I think I'm going to just fucking murder this tune because I've been shedding it all week. And he, like, and, reharmed it or something on the spot? <laughs> dude, he starts changing the key, and, like, uh, the rest of the band, of course, I, like, can just follow him by ear, and I, I couldn't follow it, so I just, like folded all over this tune in front of the guy who wrote the song and i called wow. the song uh and then like the rest of the band is like erica badu's band basically did he was he like changing the key incrementally or like just overall every chorus he was changing the key Oof. okay that's an extremely bernard thing to do yeah and it wasn't just by a half step it was like a whatever yeah, he felt like doing a major third yeah. or oh. yeah, and, or and a, my dumbass didn't didn't have the ability not only to hear what key center it was in but if i could hear the key center i couldn't transpose it in my head you that's know what i'm saying extremely high stakes for someone who no, but he taught me a lesson about how important ears are, you know, like, I, I, and I'm kind of just speaking to what you were saying, Mike, about sure, I'm just, how the, I, I how was just trying to give you some slack because no one could possibly do that in that situation. The rest of the man was fine. Well, they're used to it. I'm saying someone's stepping in for the first time, but I'm it saying it doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. It was such following. a lesson because he set the standard for me. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. Uh, and it was like it. it I still sometimes think about it in the shower, you know. Yeah. I was just trying to tell you that you're you're okay. I'm not. You're you're right. No, you're good, bro. You good. That no, was you're, like, pretty, you're pretty. Yeah. Pretty, ain't, pretty, ain't nobody could have hung that. Pretty, 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 pretty. Dear and beer. Right? Play that again. Slow down. I do know that, actually. Yeah. I, I, I like I pick it differently, but I know those. I know the intervals that you're doing there. Yeah. I 
do it in like a three string grouping. Yeah. I can't do that, but I can go pick. I can't do it good, but pick, I can do pick, it. Pick, pick, plug. I don't know why. It's really hard, man. Yeah. And, and then I see red Volcar's fingers, and I'm like, well, I got no excuse. rolls. Yeah. Right? Like, no problem. Like, the fastest and cleanest cascade looks you've ever heard or even thought about. I love those, like, open string licks, man. They're so good. Dude, this guitar is twangy, right? Yeah. I find myself one tracking. I play that Strat. I play this guitar, and I play my PRS, which has Klein uh, PAFs in it. Mm-hmm. And you don't track with that Nash? Not a lot. I mean, I do just because they all have cool sounds, and yeah. I just like. I'll be like, you know what? I want to play this guitar, and then I'll figure out. I'll find a place to shove it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Or is that Jerry Reed? Oh, it is Merle Travis. Oh, it is Merle. Oh, shit. <laughs> ah, fuck. Okay, I haven't shut this tune in forever. Dude, that stuff is so hard, I can't do that. Ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> 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 Forgive me for I've sinned, Father. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, that's great. I'll tell you what. Let's ask some stupid and fun questions. They're very poignant. Take them very seriously. Oh, I will. Don't I think you, mispr- <laughs> you mispronounced pointless. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I forget who it was. Some old dude I used to play with in Texas first time i ever brought a mattress out and he goes oh man you got ripped off that's not a marshall <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome and i was like rigs of dad didn't exist then but if it did uh, <laughs> hashtag rigs of dad for sure my first question is and always will be metallica or megadeth Ooh, can you mute that ox again for me please Metallica. Excellent. Let me ask you another. I was at. I say it's a simple either or question, and then I'm I'm going to argue with you some, just because that's just that's what I do. Um, have you listened to much Megadeth? Not much. I recommend that you check out some early Megadeth. For sure. I mean, like the guitar shit is amazing it's amazing the, i mean peace sells like whatever era that is that's like fucking i i probably like that that's that's the era i'm talking yeah about. like that song like i probably like more than uh, like seek and destroy or like any metallica songs but i think so that may be my favorite song but i think overall like i probably just know more of metallica's catalog so it's a familiarity so i chose them but but that was where i was struggling was peace cells i like that song more than any metallica song probably there's so much good guitar playing yeah in both of those bands i don't care what anybody says about kirk hammett kirk hammett wrote the shit out of inner sandman if you don't like inner sandman it's only because you've heard it everywhere you've ever been for the last 35 years and like dude the wah tone 
on some of that shit. It's all great. It's, it's great playing. It's amazing. It's great playing. Yeah. It's, it's, ex- it's exactly what was called for in the moment. Totally. And if you're a guitar player of a certain age and you didn't try and learn that, you're lying because, yes, you did. Right. <laughs> When I got to Nashville and was like playing Hockey Tonk Central and they were like calling Enter Sandman every night, I was like, really? Fuck, I better learn the shit out of that song, you know? That is Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah, yeah that's that a one. That's pretty standard one. Yeah. This is uh, a new... I, I update these questions almost every week. It's just trying to like... Trying them out? Yeah, yeah, just like trying to find, you know, something special maybe for the specific guest or just just to change it up sure, just yeah. because i'm asking this, these questions to most people these days i got you um that and this is a new question and that question is miles or train Oof. miles there is no wrong choice by the way Right. Well, yeah. I mean, both. All of the above. Sure. For sure. But you have to pick. You're stuck with the catalog of one. It is hard to argue against Miles, but there's a plenty of arguments to be made for John Coltrane. Yeah. I, I, like- I will say there are no pictures of Miles Davis in this room. Yeah. There is a picture of John Coltrane in this room. Well, we I guess we agree to disagree. No, I I think I, I think you have to I think you almost have to pick Miles because without Miles there is no Coltrane, arguably. Right, right. Yeah, I mean his. I like Coltrane's songs a little better. I, I it's really just Miles's like approach to listening and space. So much doesn't ever happen. Miles is the Beatles. He's the Beatles. Right. Like yeah. And I think Coltrane... Yeah, we would have never got Steely Dan if it weren't for the Beatles. Right. I'll be damned if I don't listen to Steely Dan over the Beatles 10 times out of 10. Yeah. And I don't even feel that way with Miles and Coltrane. I'm just saying, one one definitely happened because of the other, and the other still might be your favorite. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Totally. Yeah. Do you have a particular Miles record that you love? I actually love Star People. I don't know that one. It has John Schofield and Mike Stern on it. And oh, I know. I do know that one. Yeah. Fuck, I love that record. <laughs> I mean, it's such as like stupid 80s Would you mind one. making a note of that? I'm, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like one of those 80s ones that people are like, oh, that's not the era, but yo. The guitar playing on that fucking record. Dude, the 80s Miles was crazy as shit. He God, had that, so uh, that what was it, uh, like Daryl Jones and... Uh, and Foley, the same yeah. Foley playing lead bass. Yeah, man, there's so many. Yo, for real, <laughs> that shit is awesome. Yeah, that dude. shit is so dope. Like so inventive and oh, I gotta like. There's like a million Miles records that I've never heard. I think I just bought that one like randomly on vinyl one day. How it else? Was like, how else do you even it was know like where $3 to start? Three dollars, and I brought it home and just was like, dude, oh my the god. The crazy thing to to me about all that stuff is that. Miles changed music, but Miles never changed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you listen to Miles' tone and, like, his lines and stuff, yeah. it's all Miles the whole way. I mean, I'm, I, you He's know, granted, like, like on Miles' tones, the, the record, you know, the kind of, like, hard bop record, that Columbia thing. Old like, or new. Um, he, but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the, the new Miles' tones. He, yeah, he's, the new one. He's, he's playing, beat, like, hard bop lines, but, like... 
if you were to compare that to 80s miles with how much he changed the genre yeah. comparatively he's basically doing the same shit he, but he somehow, just changed everything around just, him yeah right. exactly yeah. and 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 did such a fantastic job of like picking he came up with like a new it was like i need a new jam track so i'm getting a new piece of gear and by new piece of gear i i mean foley and yeah i'm not trying to say the dude didn't change no i mean it, sure it, it he, all, but he like, grew but he never didn't sound like miles always sounded. yeah but like the, yeah. you're right the his, that's the great way to put it the building solo he changed and, the environment totally right you know yeah which is one way to do it. If you're not going to change and you oh, want to grow genius, as an artist, man. you just change everything else. Yeah. And he did the shit out of that. The way he wrote changed drastically. And you you can argue that early Miles is just as cool as late Miles. And, like, right. he's got just standards in any circle in any part of the country from all the eras of his music no matter what if you were to go to sit in on a jazz gig in portland or sit in one in jacksonville florida you could probably call solar and i bet both i bet both bandstands can get through it or or something uh uh what's one of the what's one of the new ones uh that people call uh anybody anybody I'm sorry, of Miles tunes? Yeah. What do you mean of new ones that people call? Like like later Miles tunes? Yeah. Like uh Tutu or something? I mean, I don't know of any later Miles tunes that people would normally call on a Is Tutu a Miles tune? Uh I, I think so. If it is, I think it's like an eighties Miles tune and people they used to play that shit in Dallas all the time. Let's see. It might be Marcus Miller. I know Marcus Miller did it, but is it a Marcus Miller tune or is it not? I have no idea. Marcus Miller. It is a Marcus Miller tune? Written by Marcus Miller, but it is on the... Uh, was it on Miles' record when he was It's on. It's on the record, too, too. Okay, so Marcus Miller wrote it while he was in Miles' band, and they played yeah. it on that record, and then apparently there was the title track. Okay, so that's uh, what year was that? That's the '80s, right? Uh, I mean, it's got to be if, if Marcus Miller's in it, right? It's I, I don't remember that '86. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, that, that, dude, what? A, but like on this tip of uh, you know, like that era of jazz, like man, uh, Bernard Wright was the MD of Wayne Shorter's band in that same era. Um, which Mike, if you don't know Bernard, right? We'll, we'll get in. It, we'll we'll, we'll find we'll send we'll find some links, and yeah. it's a it's a whole rabbit hole. He, the the man is uh, they're they're not they're not words for him. He's one of the most transcendent and special musicians that has lived in his lifetime. Wow he he was in Cameo, played with Marcus Miller. Uh, he played for Wayne Shorter. He did all kind of shit. He had his own. Uh, do you, do you know the Doggy Style record? Yeah, it's probably my favorite hip hop record of all time. Okay, I forget the the name of the tune on the Snoop record, but the the samples. Doom boom. Yeah. Yes. That's a, that's a Bernard Wright. The Bernard Wright song is called Hobble Globo Tree. No. Oh right, I've heard of this. Okay. And that's not to speak of his influence direct influence on extremely modern music sure 
Bernard Wright. Yeah. Dude, Copy. Bernard Wright, he he's there's just nobody like him, man. He's just one of those dudes, you know. Sure, but anyway, I, I'm just saying, like, there's a there's like people kind of dog on the '80s, but yeah, in terms of you know not just jazz, obviously, but specifically jazz. Um, but there's so much good shit out there, man. Oh yeah, that's true. Almost no matter what kind of music you're talking about. And on that note, we would just talked about a bunch of jazz. So my next question for you, uh, Mike, is jazz or metal? jazz i think that's pretty this is my uh, fastest pretty, answer yeah, so far. self-evident but say it's pretty evident based on the last 10 minutes of discussion yeah um live or session live or session F- for me i would say live i i would say this i want to be a session player i i would say my I'm I'm goal oriented towards becoming, uh, you know, that's the move. Prominent session the, player as you, I think, as you grow. Yeah, for sure. But right now, life. I have to choose life. I enjoy it. I'm enjoying the fuck out of it right now. I don't think you. I don't think. I don't see a a time when I'm ever like you know what I just don't want to go play in front of anybody anymore. I mean, yeah. I, I think that spending more time doing sessions, which is something that I'm actively doing, right? I that is where I want to be, right? But like not with not with in place of like, just yeah, tilting the scale. Yeah, I mean, like I had a session today and it was great, and you know the vibe was cool, made you know the client happy, and it was it was all great, got paid whatever, but. You know, last weekend when I was like soloing for a minute and a half in front of like a full room at the front of the stage, just like feeling the music and wearing a fucking like cowboy rodeo outfit. <laughs> I don't know that anything is like more fun than that. You know? Pretty fun. Yeah. It's the highs are definitely higher live. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I don't know, but I've never played on like a number one record or something. Like maybe that would be cool. Yeah, but even when you play on the number one record, you don't know that's what it is when you're making it. Right, it's so just the, another the day moment, at the office. The moment's still and there's great highs in the studio. Yeah, but I think I agree with you. That's really what I'm trying to say. Right. I the high, the highs are high, feel higher. Yeah. Live in the situation like you just described. Yeah, like that's. Yeah, that's like, that's so awesome. Pretty awesome. It's pretty, pretty fucking cool, man. Single coil or humbucker? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, well. Definitely single Even coil. Even as you hold a uh, P90 guitar. Yeah. Is there a third option there? Is, is a P90 technically single coil? Yep. Yeah. Right, okay. Single coil then. I would, say, I would say tonally it kind of lies somewhere in between. It's. Super quacky and spanky like a single coil, but like pound the shit out of a front of an amp like a humbucker. Right. I've never owned a uh, P90 guitar. Always wanted to. That's the only one that I've ever owned. Man, yeah. I'd love to get my hands on one. But yes, they're cool. Yeah. It's a vibe for sure. Yeah, I would love to get one. I would say single coil, just being so married to the telly for so long. Sure. Got to. It's hard to argue, man. Desert Island. Give me a telly for sure. Les Paul's always going to well, be. We'll get to the me. desert island. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> um, 
Matheny or Schofield? Schofield. Damn. I get it. I don't, you don't even have to elaborate. That's just that's a new one. I'm just trying that out. Definitely like Schofield for sure. Uh, I missed that actually earlier. That was supposed to go right before, right after Miles or Coltrane. Oh, word. I'm doing great. Uh, welcome back to Gear and Beer. Today's episode is Michael Eagle. Um I was just re- I was I was doing a radio reset. I'm sorry. Oh, got it. Um, that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry for that too. Uh, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. No. Uh, you use a volume pedal, and I yeah. I started to ask you earlier, but I wanted to wait until now. Uh, my first question is: Where in the chain does that fall? Post drive post drive before after before delay reverb and any other effects yes do you use, also use a volume knob yes volume knob or volume pedal oh volume knob for sure but they serve two different purposes the way you have it set up they absolutely do right when it's after your overdrives it's like a master volume i've never i've never used it that way it's new to me so the reason I, I get it i just i never yeah never tried it oh okay yeah I, I would check it out man it's cool because like when you go to do a, a swell or something you don't your tone stays exactly the same yeah, where on you a don't guitar lose the saturation yeah on a guitar when you use your volume knob it's like it's like the volume knob on an amp the sure. whole character changes right right you know right. so you're totally right great point great point thank you and with fuzz pedals uh volume is greatly affected by your guitar volume totally volume. yeah totally but that's a that's they're, a whole they're just a, you know that the volume knob is the most important tool for a fuzz pedal because like wide right. open it's pretty fucking fuzzy may, it may sound pretty terrible <laughs> yeah exactly but you realize <laughs> that back and it's like oh and it gets some... that that spitty velcro-y thing yeah. I, that's my favorite kind of fuzz that um Oh yeah, I don't even know the classic unit that does that spitty Velcro thing, but whatever. Yeah, um, I have a tone bender, an original one that I bought really cheap off Marketplace, and it's fucking. It does that zippy, yeah, fucking thing. Oh man, it's great. I need. We should have brought that. That's in L.A. Oh, you should have brought it to Nashville. Mom, will you ship it to me? Mom. Yeah. Uh, so my my next question was: Do you comp- use compression live? But you've got a compressor on your board. I've seen you use it in our jam. So I'm going to presume that you also use it live. I've been using it live, and one thing I find with it is that it has a dry blend. But I actually been u- sorry, I'm thinking. Been using the dry dare. blend off, so it's like super compressed, and I use it when I'm not playing really distorted. And for like the '90s country thing, it's amazing, and it actually helps your guitar like feedback in a really nice way and get really sustainy. If you're really gassing a solo, like you're sure. going full out, but you're, you're trying to like do that without like making it hairy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Sure. So I let the distortion pedals make it hairy. I don't like the gain from the thing. I just I leave it at Unity gain, fully wet with compression, it's bringing all the harmonic content up yeah and like with the light overdrive like it's not very good it's either like perfectly clean or like added for like a f- balls out thing side note what amp 
are you using on the road? That's a great question. I'm great borrowing question. Randy's Victoria Golden Melody. Ooh, dude, those are great amps. Oh, it's oh, dude, it's fucking insane. I used I used one on on the road for a minute uh, when I was playing for this guy who owned one. Uh huh. And it was just the best. Yeah, dude. I just I get compliments out the ass on that thing, and dude, it's yeah. I don't it, know. I mean, I know that company. Um, I haven't played that model. What it is is a is basically a tweed basement in a two twelve format with the reverb from a deluxe reverb and some amazing tremolo. It's a it's a part caster, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's a it's a custom shop spec build. Yeah, but I, yeah, it's like a two twelve tweed basement. So uh, speaking of pedals, what's your favorite one? Of all time, you have to pick one. One pedal, like a distortion pedal, or like it's a, like Desert Island situation. And you I have an amp, you have a guitar, you get one pedal. What is the pedal? Fuck me. <laughs> I don't know that pedal. <laughs> the fuck me overdrive. No, I, that's uh, a different podcast, man. Sorry, sorry. It's uh, it's probably not on this board. Oh my god, I'm such a pedal nerd. Like I've owned and sold so many pedals but you know one that comes to mind is and it's it can't be right it can't be my desert island pedal but Same. damn it the rc Same. booster sounds oh wow so fucking classic good. great pedal man i really love that damn pedal i've never owned one of those i've played a couple one. back before <gasps> i know what that is okay i'm gonna change my answer it's a rat I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Is that not cool? It's <laughs> trying to be cool. It's going for it. I don't want it to be cool. I want it to be I, the I, top of your head. I would say the RC booster really stood out to me. I think that's the. I think that's the right answer. Yeah, man. Damn. Just. I think that's the honest answer. I, yeah. I mean, the rat is really fun. Like, Why I have the more RC fun booster? Sometimes with a rat, and it's amazingly versatile and all that. Uh, you know that it it, it. it just sounds so damn. It just makes everything sound better. The RC booster. Yeah, it's like yeah. it just takes your tone. It's always on pedal. It's always on pedal. I watched the Henderson Scott Henderson video where he ran it with no gain and all the volume, and then however the EQ was, and that was pretty slick. And I pretty much used it like that. The only other way I would really use it is with the volume and the gain at like ten o'clock, which is I think is how like most guys use it. Yeah. But that like a little boost, a little gain. Yeah, but like the volume up, gain off thing. I did it's gain pretty. almost all the way down and volume at probably like two or three o'clock. Yeah. So you so you did Scott Henderson light. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Scott Henderson like yeah, but not full. But yeah, but not the full Henderson. You did you did hesitant. You did Scott hesitant Henderson. <laughs> Scott hesitant. Yeah, he did the. Yo, but there's something about that blue light on there. Is that it's what you a, did? It's a great blue light and like the white and oh, it's so good. Looking. I love the aesthetics of a good pedal build. I did. Yeah. I did not Henderson. Oh, oh damn! Woo 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 woo. That was the the burn alert. Sorry, that was badass, Lyndon. Damn, bro. Not Henderson. Do you have a favorite venue? Favorite venue. Well, Moving on. No, yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, uh, House of Blueses are pretty cool, I guess. House Whiskey of Road. Blueses. <laughs> They're all the same, right? You heard it here first, kids. <laughs> I love the House of Blues, man. 
They have great live music there. Technically, you love the House of Blueses. <laughs> House of Bruises. Bruises. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I used to be in a metal band. I played there. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if anybody knows this, but uh, you also play bass. <laughs> so. Jazz or precision? Hmm. Precision. Trending. <laughs> Trending. He's a dick. Don't worry about him. I have a fucking awesome P bass. Doesn't I'm not a dick. My P bass is better than I will say, like, I don't yours. know. I'm not a dick. My P bass is better than I'm yours. I'm not a dick. Mine's I'm just writing better. that in the quotes also. <laughs> that was good, like stop good. and Pretty quote good. that. Yeah, that was good. Well Pretty good. Thanks thank me. Me? You? What? Thank me? Um I'm sorry, do you had an you had an elaboration about the P bass? Oh, I just haven't played the jazz bass like almost ever. Never owned one and just kind of went off the hype about P basses and Jamerson and how they're like the shit or whatever. But I'm and when you say I play bass, like I got called to play bass like on Broadway occasionally, like very poorly. And like bass players like Patrick McIsaac would come stand in the window at me, like with his Oh, uh, Patrick McIsaac, uh yeah. Wicked Game? <laughs> do you know patrick you must right i don't oh he's like a he's a, he's a I know Chris Isaac, wicked game but he's like a great bass player and i remember i remember one time he just saw me playing bass he was like taking her jerks <laughs> i was like please come save me right now like just that's the way i feel on most bass gigs yeah so i'm i'm definitely no one to uh you know have a really solid opinion on p bass or jazz bass but i'm just gonna choose p bass I have two final questions for you, Mike Khalil of Los Angeles, now Nashville, formerly of Los Angeles, and formerly of Nashville, now currently of Nashville. Nailed it. Um, we have to hurry up, too. Um, off the top of your head, as quickly as you can regurgitate them, three Desert Island records. Star People. Um... Uh, That's the Miles record. Songs in the Key of Life. Pretty good. Pretty mm. good call. And fuck. Mm, star People, Key of Life, and some country record. Come up with one. Ernest Tubb and the Texas Troubadours. I don't remember the name of the record, but it's yellow, and they're all wearing yellow suits, and it's fucking awesome. That seems easy enough to figure out. Yeah. My final question. Welcome to the King's Court here in the Gear and Beer Podcast. You have to decide. Albert, Freddie, BB, Earl, or King's X? You only get one and you must decide. Well, it'd be between the three kings as I've been going I down I just mentioned there. five kings. That's why we call this the King's Court. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, but, I, you know, the blues. Oh, or do you mean the, the three the Albert, kings Freddie, of Albert, Freddie, and BB. So I'm going to go with. We don't call them I gotta go with BB, man. And Albert, really, I, I kind of want to say Albert, but I'm gonna say BB. Okay. Like, because BB is just, to me, like, just, he's the king. If I'm talking about the king's court for real, for real, bro, I think every, I think everyone could agree that BB was just the man. He was a man. BB King says a quote that I use the most what which is 
you don't pay me for the two hours I'm on stage. You pay me for the other 22. That's right. And ain't that the mother freaking truth? If it isn't, I don't know what is. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Khalil, guitar player extraordinaire, steel player, musician, dude. Thank you for coming. Thanks for hanging with us. Thank you so much for having me. I just knocked my shit over. Lyndon McCarty, Twisting and Tweaking. Make sure you follow and subscribe. We will put links to Mike's social as well as all the links that I mentioned, uh, plus or minus a couple that I forget or add. Uh, until next time, gear and beer? I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. Cheers from Gears and Beers. Cheers, cheers and gears and beers and buys. Thank you for listening to the Gear and Beer Podcast. Make sure and subscribe and turn on notifications for our channels. And if you haven't already, follow our Instagram and YouTube channels. We truly appreciate your support and ask that you please tell anyone you know whom you think might be interested in our podcast about Gear and Beer to help us grow and continue bringing in great guests from around the industry and beyond. Thanks again. And until the next episode...